everyone. Welcome to the Public Authority Podcast. My name is Justin Levine, Managing Editor of, of the website, and an exciting, exciting announcement on what has been a really wild day in sports. This episode, for the very first time, is sponsored by McLean's Pub. McLean's Pub in Montreal on Peel Street. Make sure to go visit while you're in Montreal. And now, back to the Public Authority Podcast. Again, I'm Justin Levine, and this week we are joined by none other than, again, our very own beat writer for the Adriatic Thunder of the ECHL, Armand Klitovich. Armand, thanks for joining me. Not a problem, Justin. All right. Well, usually we start off with the Thunder, but there's a little more importance to handle on a day such as this. Uh, it's been a, a really wild ride with uh, the sudden uprise of the coronavirus uh, out of Wuhan, China, that has now uh, really taken the world by storm, literally. And so that has left uh, sports in questioning as to do, do they play uh, their games continuously with fans in the stands or do they not play them at all? Uh, or do they play them with no fans? So, um, as this day's gone on, uh, Shams Karania from the Athletic and Stadium reported that uh, Rudy Gobert from the, NA- from the NBA has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, his team was just about to tip off uh, against the OKC Thunder at the time in which he was um, diagnosed by uh, a doctor outside of the arena. Um and again, this is, uh, again, with a really crazy travel ban starting to take place uh, with those except for the sport. So the game, uh, once his results came in, they were sent to the team and the game was immediately called. This about just five to ten minutes before tip-off. Now, um, that really followed by Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, releasing within less than 10 minutes later that the NBA season had been suspended. So uh, that brings us to hockey, the subject that we're here to talk about today. And to that point, uh, we're going to start talking opinion here and how the NHL can go with this. They did release a statement saying uh, that they recognize what Silver has done and that uh, they will continue to discuss their options going into Monday, sorry, going into Thursday, and we go from there. Now I bring in Armand Pesovich again, our beat writer for the Adirondack Thunder. Armand, thanks for taking the time to do this, and what are your thoughts on what is going on? Justin, as as you mentioned, it has been a crazy day. Um, I think that there is no question that um, Jill, I don't think, I think we already know that fans won't be involved. Um, we've already seen the San Jose Sharks and Columbus Blue Jackets to take that approach. And after seeing what happened today in the NBA, it would be smart for the NHL to cancel the uh, or postpone the season. And one thing that I have been seeing a lot of is cross-contamination between arenas. Right, and we've seen that being the case uh, if teams decide to go to the route where those, those regions that have been hit harder than others, the home teams there are to play in other stadiums and or other arenas. It's not just being now for basketball, but for hockey and for baseball, whose teams are currently in Florida and Arizona, respectively. Um, so, I mean, that's brought up the Rogers Center as a possible home for baseball. But when we go when we talk hockey, I mean, let's look at California, where San Jose uh, was told that that they can't play their next three home games. So let's just start there. What would you do in a situation like that? Where would it, where would you send this team? And while the closest locations are Los Angeles and Anaheim, there are other locations being discussed by the NHL. Armand, what, uh, what have you been hearing and uh, how do we go about this? I, I've heard some, some rumors of um, Portland and um, Oakland being discussed. Um, but I think the main concern you have to look at there is how quickly can they get ice there and what's going to be the deal 
beer with um, fans. Right, and Portland is a place currently where they've discussed uh, NHL relocation. And while uh, an arena is kind of unknown as to the status of one right now, uh, especially at a time like right now when they might just need Portland to be available, um, it's been discussed as one of many options as the Puck Authority has learned uh, in the last uh, week or so uh, prior to uh, Wednesday's events that have led to uh, not only the NBA uh, shutting its doors, but the NCAA Frozen Four taking place, but without fans as breaking uh, press release was sent out today across the world of sports. Um, so, I mean, and we're seeing this within the NBA too, but uh, if San Jose is doing it, what do you think should be the protocols in place for the Los Angeles Kings and Anaheim Ducks? I mean, I think everything's going to be based on the NHL's decision tomorrow because uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just decided to cancel games completely because you have to look at this in a few ways, Justin. For the NHL, if you play these games without fans, it's going to be a huge revenue loss for them, and I don't think the NHL wants that. Um, one idea that, that I saw uh, earlier today was the NHL possibly moving uh, their season uh, – back a month where these games this month would be played next month, which I think isn't the craziest idea um, to give it another month and see where this uh, goes. Right. And that's on the hands of the World Health Organization having called it a pandemic this morning after discussions were in place for the last uh, three to four days uh, as to how bad this is getting and uh, therefore the organization calling it. Now that's uh, left other questions. Uh, the NHL, uh, the reason that they are holding off until tomorrow morning is because should they decide to forego the season, at least for the next little bit, they've got to talk with sponsors, they've got to talk with stakeholders, the board of directors of the National Hockey League, uh, the TV marketers, which is NBC, TSN, Sportsnet, uh, that list goes on, uh, AT&T Sportsnet, um, which uh, they carry the Vegas Golden Knights games. So there's there's a lot to consider. And so uh, while Gary Bettman releasing a statement at the NHL PR tonight that they will not forego games immediately at this time, that decision could very quickly change tomorrow as they meet with health experts from the National Hockey League. Yeah, as you mentioned, right. yes. And, you know, it's 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 going to be very interesting because this will be, the, I believe, the first time that the NHL has done uh, something like this, besides the uh, lockout a few years ago, so it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what they what their approach is moving. My my biggest thing is what their approach is moving forward, especially being so close to the postseason. Right, and I think that's a concern of many right now, um, only because uh, within the last really three to four days, we saw the woman the women's world championships run by the International Ice Hockey Federation canceled in Nova Scotia. Uh, both <clears throat> Halifax and Truro as a result of worry because Team Japan and Team China were scheduled to come. I uh, sent a, a note to Team Canada saying that they would like to come in early to avoid a possible quarantine back in their hometown of Japan. Uh, that set that into motion, and two days later, uh, Hockey Canada called it, uh, followed by a press conference with CEO Scott Smith, uh, director of women's national teams, Jeannie Kingsbury, and the rest of the Hockey Canada team. So that really set in stone where we are today um, with regards to canceled events like the Frozen Four, the NBA season, and possibly the loss of the NHL season. Now, they aren't the only ones doing it because there's also discussion that the MLB teams 
might be staying back in Florida and Arizona a little bit longer, uh, depending on how the next couple of days work out and the numbers that we continue to see with the coronavirus. Um, but they're not alone. The Korean baseball organization um, based out of Seoul uh, recently pushed back their season just last night uh, for at least a couple of weeks until early mid-April um, just to get a handle on where things are. And while that's a more dangerous zone than where we're in, it certainly makes no exception as for we still don't understand the coronavirus and um, really ha- just ha- how, it trans- how it transmits and, how- and why it's doing so, so fast. So I guess that point I'll start off by asking um, with respect to where you're zoned for Adirondack Thunder coverage. What is it currently looking like there? What is the state of of hockey there? What is the state of the city there? And how, and I mean, should games be canceled? How would you like to see them go about this? Well, um, the city of Glens Falls really hasn't seen anything. Um, The closest thing that is in our area is in Saratoga, which is 20 miles. But everything seems to be somewhat under control um, at the moment here. Um, I don't expect at the moment um, the ECHL to do anything despite um, Toledo playing tonight without fans. But I think um, everyone's decision tonight is going to go off of what the NHL decides to do. Um, I think if the NHL decides to pull the plug, I think uh, don't be surprised if CBHL and ECHL do the same thing. If not, go to um, media only moving forward. And this comes on the hands of the ECHL having closed their doors to the Toledo game tonight in the ECHL. And when you bring up the AHL, uh, let's use this for example, the Toronto Marlies currently on the road after a quick homestand at Coca-Cola Coliseum. They are one of many teams that might be in doubt uh, in terms of their season and what the board of directors there would like to do, uh, who recently met for other reasons just last week. Um, but that was kind of unclear as to why that was. Might have been an, an early coronavirus uh, update. Uh, on the database of stats. Um, while we're not really sure exactly with no official statement of why that happened, um, again, it shouldn't lead to surprise if other, if other teams and leagues decide, you know what, let's shut our doors or let's not have fans or, you know what, that might come down to the board directors who say, all right, let's cut down the season. And now this is affecting not only, not only ECHL, the AHL, it's affecting teams in the Ontario Hockey League, amongst others. The Ontario Hockey League, I'll start off with, uh, with the Kitchener Rangers, uh, who are they're not closing their doors. They're saying they're saying fans are still welcome, but they're adding extra bottles of alcohol throughout the concourse, throughout the, um, throughout the lower level uh, inside the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. And so this is something that we're going to be seeing uh, should teams decide to continue playing. And the San Jose Sharks uh, were advised um, a 1,000 person limit, but they've said instead they're just going to play their games, but without fans in the stands. Uh, and the Blue Jackets have followed in their footsteps in doing so. Um, so we'll see where that where they go with that. Um, but I guess uh, with respect to large gatherings and next, I'll go from uh, I guess I'll go from the Adirondack Thunder's last game. I want to talk about the attendance a little bit and how something like this affects that. Yeah, um, and just to mention um, the Puck Authority as well as the um, Thunder TPA Twitter page have both released a statement. Um, regarding um, the COVID-19, Justin, if you want to just touch on that real quick. Uh, yes, on Wednesday afternoon, the Puck Authority uh, announced via press release uh, that there's a new, a new 
really state of the game going on for all for all staff members of the puckauthority.com which reads the puck authority is closely monitoring the global outbreak of covid19 and as such this this following discussions the following procedures will take place as needed writers who are covering the ahl and echl are set to continue all operations until told otherwise by our communications team <clears throat> should that situation in the region of coverage become intangible our team will work with the hockey club to ensure the safety of that writer on hand. It is at that time that the Puck Authority writers will be granted until further notice, which is something that the writers and editors um, alike convened with on the phone in an emergency phone call this evening, which we will get into in just a moment. The Puck Authority continues their efforts on everyday basis to monitor the outbreak, and with respect to NHL events, we will continue to provide updates and monitor. That said, until told otherwise, all operations are set to continue. For now, all credentialed staff will resume normal coverage until notified they shouldn't. Now, uh, Thunder TPA released a similar statement uh, as as for the safety of the of the writers and photographers uh, on our team who are out there at Cool Insuring Arena. So, uh, I mean, I guess I'll swing this back to you. How does something like this uh, affect the, what 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 not only we do but what so many outlets do, uh, which is why leagues are agreeing to clo- while they're closing their arenas to the fans, they're going to let the media stay. Yeah, and they may be letting the media stay, Justin, but they are definitely uh, putting in a little bit more uh, safety procedures. The Adirondack Thunder have put in a uh, six-foot barrier between the media and the fans, um, which, you ask, if you ask me, is just a touch too much. But um, I totally see where they are coming from in those respects. Right, a six-foot barrier was recently placed uh, as far as spring training in Florida and Dunedin, where the Blue Jays play, as the Athletic uh, shared with us a little earlier today. And we expect in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, after the, after they were uh, alerted of, of all their 20-member teams, to be a little more careful than they've been uh, in the past um, in terms of fan interaction and um, that with the media. So we've got a lot to really look out for. The NHLPA kind of shared in that notion that while they're not canceling games, they'll continue discussions and will consult with health experts, which are helping teams with ECHL and the OHL at this time. So there's lots to consider there. Um, and I mean, while we're, while we're not going to know anything until possibly early Thursday morning, uh, maybe 9, 10 a.m., uh, just based on everything that's happened tonight, uh, of course, we'll continue to keep you updated at Twitter, at Puck Authority and at Thunder TPA. Um, with regards to uh, how we're going to go about um, coverage in the in specific regions such as Glen Falls. Now, speaking of which, uh, the Thunder recently just played a series of games, both against the Newfoundland Growlers, and that was uh, overseas, or sorry, not really overseas, but I'm really quite far for them uh, going all the way to Western Canada. Want to talk about that a little bit? Well, Western Canada and, and back, uh, per se. Um the Thunder did have some travel issues going into Newfoundland um, as they were about 15 minutes from landing on Monday night. Um, as the plane was forced to turn back around to Toronto, the team did not get back, get into St. John's until 2 p.m. on Tuesday um, for a Wednesday night game. Um, and ironically, Justin, they had issues getting back um, from the arena, and I heard they did not get back until um, Monday morning at 4 a.m. Yes, the travel conditions have not been uh, so fair in addition to that as we slowly go from winter to to spring. But, I mean, in the midst of that, in a place like Newfoundland that has been really up against the wall all winter, per se, 
uh, with walls of snow. And I mean, that's just the start of it. Uh, very thick sheets of ice uh, on the ground, uh, driveways, and I mean, obviously runways affecting this. Um, this was really something that Thunder had to be cautious of, and they were, as the, again, the original flight was turned around back to Toronto, where they later took off from um, to, to play the next day against the Newfoundland Growlers for a three-game series. So I guess uh, with that said, we dive into it a little bit more. What what exactly went on over those three days at Mile One Center? Well, I I was talking before. I said, you know, with where the Thunder were, I, I would have liked to see them pick up, you know, two points. And they they uh, they couldn't pick up any points, which you know wasn't a surprise against a new a very good Newfoundland team. Um, but I think they played well in all all three of those games. I think they just decided to get their legs moving a little bit too late, um, as Newfoundland scored the first goal in all three of those games. Um, but Justin, I have to, I have to be truly honest. The more disappointing uh, game for me was last night's game uh, on Tuesday night when they came back home and played the Worcester Railers. Uh, yeah, the, that was a tough game that no one really uh, expected, I guess, to see there was uh, such a result as that. If you want to dig into a little about that, and again, this uh, this podcast sponsored by McLean's Pub in Montreal. If you are in Montreal, go visit McLean's Pub on Peel Street with Armand Klisovich now talking Adirondack Thunder and the Worcester Railers. Go ahead. So, they had a chance to uh, officially knock Worcester um, out of the playoffs. Um, Worcester has not had a good year this year. They came in with a record of 20-36-4, and 4-0. And, oh, and the Thunder came in to last night's game with a record of 22-27-8-5. Um, now... Adirondack has played well against Worcester this season. Um, and I thought, you know, coming back be a nice little game to get them, their legs back into them. And they started off well getting the first goal of the game. And then it tend, it looked like in the third period they just uh, fell apart. Poor defensive plays. Um, just the same kind of thing we saw earlier in the year from the Thunder, which I think really hurt them in a game that may cost them their playoff lives. Right, and when we look at this, we also look at Eamon McAdam, who has been starting for the Thunder lately. Uh, can you dig in a little bit to his own individual performance and how that's being affected not only by him, but the defense that's out in front of him? Yeah, um, McAdam actually played all three games uh, out in uh, Worcester. He did have to come into relief um, for Evan Cormier during one of those games. Uh, Cormier was pulled um, on on the, the final game uh, as he allowed three go- four goals in the first period. Um, but McAdam has looked solid, but you could just tell um, Justin last night that the frustration of the, of the lapse of defense is really starting to get to him. And, you know, it's not a surprise as a guy who, who, who came into last night's game with a 15, 18, two, two and two record of a 3.21 goals against average and 096 save percentage. Um, this season. Right. McAdam, again, uh, replacing Evan Cormier halfway through after allowing three goals. Cormier's been up with the AHL's Binghamton Devils on several occasions. Um, 
and he's been playing alongside that veteran Corey Schneider. Um, so I guess with that, well, with that being said, what's about to change? But in the really there was the there was one bright spot in uh, last night's game, Justin, and that has to be the new acquisition of Nick Hutchinson. Hutchinson, who um, who who came from from Canvarius College uh, up in Buffalo. And one of 75 finalists for the Hobie Baker Award had a goal and an assist in his first game with the uh, Thunder. And, and it's nice to uh, see a guy out of college succeeding so quick, and especially knowing that better do hold his rights heading into next season. Hutchison, the brother of Kaylee Hutchison, who plays on the Metropolitan Riveters of the National Women's Hockey League. Um, yeah, so that was a bright spot for the Adirondack Thunder with a golden assist in his first game, uh, and nonetheless on home ice at Colm Sheridan Arena. And now the Thunder have nine games left, and they start uh, on the road against the Brampton Beats. So what can we expect for that game, and for the end, uh, with that included, the last nine games of the regular season? Oh, I think I think uh, Adirondack has one of the easier schedules. Um for the end of the season, um, they play Brampton twice. They, they play Worcester again. They play. They have. They have Wheeling. So I, I. I think. I think they have two straight games Friday in Brampton, and then they will return home for a St. Patty's game, St. Patty's Day game uh, at Cool Turing Arena. Um, and I think those two games are must-win games, just so they can pick up four points on the Brampton Beast. All right, so with that said, uh, the Adirondack Thunder have a lot of work to do, but as they go into their next game, there there certainly is some hope. So with that, we transfer over to the National Hockey League, where we talk none other than the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, do you want to start by filling in uh, their, their last stretch of games and what's been going on? Justin, I as a Montreal Canadiens fan, I am looking forward to one thing right now, and that is the NHL draft. Um, Montreal... It's just the injury bug is really starting to hit them. Um, I think me and you can both agree that the heart uh, injury is, is going to be major for them down the stretch. Right, and this comes on this comes on the hands of them having dropped on Thursday, March fifth, a game to the Tampa Bay Lightning for nothing, and then on March seventh, four to one to the Florida Panthers, and then most recently. Last night at the Bell Center in Montreal, home to the 2020 NHL draft against the National Predators by a score of 4-2. to two. That being said, they go into Thursday, March 12th against the Sabres, and then the Ducks, and then the Kings. What has to happen between then and now? Well, Justin, I don't know if you heard, but um, there is some question on the health of Char- Charlie Lindgren, who took a shot um, to the neck area um, in practice. Um, they are monitoring his status, but... Um, if Lindgren is unable to go, I don't know about you, but I am excited to see a little bit more of Caden Primo, uh, in a, possibly in a Montreal Canadiens uniform this season. Caden Primo currently with the Laval Rocket League American Hockey League, the, uh, one of the AHL's newest affiliates, playing home at the beautiful Place Belle Laval. Um, yeah, I think that'd be an, that'd be an excellent thing to see. Fans were excited to see him for the first time this season for a short little stretch, and while um. Lindgren's status remains unpredictable. It might not be so bad to give him some extra NHL time this year as the season starts to wind down. This is usually a time where players of his stature start to make their appearances for a few short games. Last season was Brian Palin, who ended the season with three goals in one game. That was the Habs' last game at Santa Belle de Montréal. And as we go into the NHL draft, obviously there's their fans are holding out hope. 
that maybe, just maybe, they continue to drop these games, in, uh, that being for a better draft slot. And Mark Bergevin, well, some may not think he's paying attention. Oh, is he paying attention? And let's get a little bit into the team a little bit more. So with that, I'll head it back to Armand. Yeah, he is. And um, I think one move that he's made and that we've seen a lot of, um, and who's really finally, I think, starting to find his groove in the, in the, in the NHL is Charles Chudon, who's seen some time on the uh, top line, Justin. Right, and I think um, I think all fans are excited to see uh, Pudon can re- reignite his spark as as he uh, did last season and a little bit uh, much earlier on this season, and they will have to do so with the absence of Thomas Tatar, a once very talked trade chip. Let's get into that a little bit. What are we thrilled about the fact that that the Habs kept Tatar? But what are they missing with Tatar out due to injury? Oh, they're missing a lot, Justin. Um, I think Tatar's easily been one of their best players this year especially with Gallagher um, being hurt so much. Um, Tatar, Tatar brings the scoring. I think that's one of the things you don't you, – it's been hard to find in Montreal. I mean, yes, you have Gallagher, but I don't think they've really had anybody else who's been able to score as consistently as Tatar has. This episode, once again, sponsored by McLean Pub in Montreal. Keeping it real on peel. If you're in Montreal, go visit McLean's Pub. Uh, yeah, so – Again, Montreal's losing a lot with uh, not having Thomas Tatar, who again a very talk trade chip. Um, but with with that said, they do have Jeff Petrie, another very talk trade chip, uh, who can really hope to ignite the fire for them and keep, and keep it going. While Max Domi seems to be healthy again, and if those two can connect, uh, this team might just be okay. But I mean, I guess what what would your really worries be if nothing? seems to pick up in the next two to three days uh, with their games against Buffalo and Anaheim. I think we really have to consider Mark Bergeron's, what he said earlier, this um, at, right after the trade deadline where he says he's not opposed to making a hockey deal at the deadline. What that says to me is that if my, if Mark Bergeron is not pleased where they have, they're going to be drafting, I would not be surprised to see him, you know, maybe trade a chip, like uh, maybe maybe not a guy like Tatar, but definitely a guy like Petrie. Right, and he's clearly shown that he's not scared to do so. Uh, no one thought he was going to trade Ilya Kovalchuk. They were wrong. He did for a third round draft pick from the Washington Capitals. And if there's someone you really want to get great analysis on that from, it's Brian Wild with Global.ca, Global Montreal. That is. Um, and so Benjamin's shown that he's not scared to make to make moves such as that. And if he sees something that he doesn't like, if Petrie should start to fall talent-wise, he might consider trading Petrie. And if Tatar comes back, it's going to take some time for him to readjust. So I don't think that one's such a quick mover. But um, Benjamin's shown what he can do. And the draft, he might decide to make a trade as part of that. Um, but for now, he's stuck with a team that's got to fi- start finding their winning ways. And in the loss of Thomas Tatar, they recalled Lucas and Vegdemo from uh, the Laval Rocket, though they reassigned him today uh, to the American Hockey League. What and does think, the prospect angle of this look like for the Habs? Oh, I think I think another thing, speaking of prospects, Justin, I think that there's been a lot of questions about where does Jesperi Kodakinemi start his uh, season next year. I think with the injury... That he suffered that it was uh, season ending for him. I think he starts next year, surprisingly, in Laval. Yeah, I think that you're right. And I've seen a lot of people saying uh, relatively the same thing. The Laval Rocket currently monitoring his status right now uh, after suffering an injury at Place Bell Laval. Um, can you talk a little bit as to why that might be? Yeah, he really hasn't 
um, shown much this year um, for the Canadians. Um, I, but he has he has looked very good in Laval. And I think, you know, maybe if you start him down there, it gives him a little bit more of, you know, a kick to get back to the NHL. Um, and when you look at that empty slot, I think we could see a little bit more of Ryan Paling uh, early next season. Right, and uh, given the way he ended last season, it might not be the worst idea to bring it up and see if he can ignite the fire in, in this team that's really starting to struggle a little bit on in their final um, set of games. So, I mean, and again, these teams are up against something hard in terms of not knowing um, what the NHL's plan even is, given that they might be closing um, as soon as tomorrow due to, and tomorrow now being th- Thursday morning due to the outbreak of the Nobel coronavirus. So they're up against the pressure of that, um, as well as the, the playoffs coming up, which is their the concern that they should all be most focused on. But, I mean, it's hard to keep focused when you're distracted because of something like this. So it's just, this team's got to push forward. And maybe Palin is, is the right way to go about that. So it's really all this time time and management and uh, finding your groove. And Palin's done that to age. Well, maybe now it's time to bring him back. Uh, in lieu of Cook and Yami playing with the Rockets. Justin, if the uh, NHL season does get um, suspended uh, later today, uh, as it is 12.02 a.m. on the East Coast, what would you like to see the NHL do uh, regarding the final games of the season? So should the NHL decide uh, to forego the season, at least for the meantime, as the NBA has done suspending their season indefinitely, what I'd like to see at least is, as we are now at Thursday, March 12, as of three minutes ago, 12.03 a.m. again on the East Coast, as mentioned by Armand, I'd like to see the season at least be pushed back two or three weeks. Uh, and while this might not be ideal for other markets, it's a, it's the best thing that can, they can do. So they can ensure that the coronavirus is no longer um, lingering around certain certain cities and these being the cities hosting these sports as, I mean, we're not, we're not Italy, we're not Wuhan, where we're dealing with such severe circumstances where these games can't be played. They did these a lot for precautions, but they, these, aren't inter- these aren't players coming from international places like the tournaments in Nova Scotia were. This is something different. So if it takes two or three weeks to make sure that everything is clear, that fans can enter the arena, that players can play, can play to the best of their abilities, uh, once that's been cleared and the environment is a hockey environment again, I'm all for it. What are your thoughts? The question I'm, I'm, I'm wondering is, if you suspend the NHL, you the do you suspend like full activities? Because you would tend to think these these players are going to need a little bit more time. If you're going to give them two or three full weeks off. They're going to, and so um, I mean, I'll take this from the Canadians' point of view. They've got their train their training facility uh, in Brossard, Quebec, just a little outside Dollard. Um, so I'm thinking what teams like that like this might do. And again, this counts for all NHL teams, uh, the Flyers and Voorhees, uh, the Leafs and the Tobico, and so on and so on, is they'll probably have access to their training facilities every day because while we're not on lockdown, they can still go to their facilities and make sure that they are at the top of their game and ready to come back and ready to make that push for the playoffs. And again, the playoffs will be pushed back a little bit, but they will still happen. And do, do you think that the NHL, you know, maybe decides to maybe push back the draft as well, seeing that you're going to, you know, extend the season? Seeing that, I wouldn't be necessarily surprised to see if the NHL pushes back the draft. And that's, uh, thus far, that would be probably 
A, later in June, B, beginning of July. Now the question is, uh, with the media presence presence limit limited because of the novel coronavirus spread um the question is uh how is that going to affect this year's attendance both media and fan wise as as it's usually a full arena at the annual nhl draft what are your thoughts on what uh what they could be facing uh and how that might uh hurt their their market value well i've I've been thinking about this a lot in the last uh, few hours justin and i don't think it's gonna kill them um, Montreal is a big hockey city, um, and Montreal really hasn't seemed to be too affected by the by the COVID nineteen. So I still expect a um a big crowd f- fan wise. Um, media is going to be very interesting. Um, I know a lot of teams have been limiting scouts. Um, so I'm interested to see what their approaches bear. Um, I do think they limit it. But I just don't know how limited they'll they'll be with this. Right, and the question is because in two months from now, while it's take this is taking a significant toll on death, in two months from now, it might be nothing like it is now. We might be back to resuming full sport, full action. Um, and to that point, they might say, "Okay, fans are welcome back. Media is welcome back. We don't know what we're facing yet. So while it's certainly possible, we don't really know what we're up against." Exactly. So to that point, I mean, COVID-19, it's, yes, it's a scary thing. Yes, it's affecting a lot. And yeah, the media have been um, not reprimanded for this. They've been, they're just being given another way of dealing with this. And while it's sure might not be ideal to everyone, they're setting up tables with three chairs for three players uh, to come speak with them post-game. And while they can't no longer have that choosing with media relations of each team making those choices, they will meet with with these players outside a podium where they are six feet away approximately, followed by the head coach uh, for the Canadians, Claude Julien. So this is how it's going to be for the meantime. We will continue to keep updated on Puck Authority as to um, really what what the league decides to do. Uh, you can follow along with us on Thursday morning on Twitter at Puck Authority 1 as we'll have updates from you uh, for you from anywhere from 9 a.m. onwards. So, I mean, with that being said, we're, we're into a crucial stretch of hockey, and this is really only to start with both the Thunder, the Habs, and all of the NHL and the ECHL uh, with the playoffs commencing. And the same goes with the Kitchener Rangers of OHL, who return home on the 20th uh, for their home season finale against Title Andrea, uh, World Dreams World Champion, and the visiting Flynn Firebirds. Uh, this episode, once again, sponsored by McQueen's Pub on Peel Street in Montreal, keeping it real on Peel. If you are in Montreal, go visit McQueen's Pub. Thank you for joining us into our month. Thank you for taking the time on such a hectic day like this. I know it's been nuts when we are doing this late, um, but we want to make sure that we really got all, all the details and all aspects of this covered. Um, our work continues hard on all aspects of the game uh, at thepuckauthority.com, so be sure to keep it real with us. Uh, Gershon Rabinowitz, our Devils writer, is in New Jersey on March 12th. That is today. That is at Prudential Center. Be sure to follow along at Online on Twitter. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this, Armand. Uh, feel free to follow Armand Klosovich on Twitter at A. Klosovich and at Thunder TPA as our coverage continues of the ECHL and at Puck Authority for everything you need. My name is Justin Levine, managing